Welcome to The Appetite, a podcast brought to you by Opal Food and Body Wisdom. I'm Julie Church, Nutrition Director, Community Relations Director, and one of the co-founders of Opal. The Appetite is a podcast about food, body, movement, and mental health. And today, I want to reintroduce you, our listeners, to Shiloh George, who we recorded an episode back like a year and a half ago. It was June 2019 when we released our last podcast, and it just felt fitting to bring Shiloh's voice back up to the surface. I want to highlight that episode to go back and listen to that one, but also hear just where Shiloh's been and what's been going on. And in light of what 2020 has brought us, there's so many different angles that our conversation could go. And I truly, I mean, for our listeners to know like Shiloh and I haven't been in touch. So honestly, authentically, I'm like, wait, I really want to know this stuff. And I want our listeners to hear it too, from such a wise, wonderful person. So Shiloh, how has 2020 been treating you? And what would you say, I guess, in terms of COVID and the quarantine, uh, political ups and downs and all of what's been going on? Give a little intro for the listeners that don't know you yet about who you are and what you do. And then can you just give us little snippets of what's been going on for you? Absolutely. Thank you so much. I love your podcast so much. And the podcast I did previously, I feel like is the best one I've done. I, you know, I felt like your questions were really good and the way it was edited. I really enjoyed it and enjoyed listening to it. And I've enjoyed listening to other of your podcasts as well. So I'm Shiloh George. I'm Southern Cheyenne and Arapaho and Scottish and Irish. I use she, her pronouns. And I just do a lot of work around trauma-informed practices and weaving in racial justice with those trauma-informed practices and really the trauma-informed practices being like the vehicle and the grounding to doing that work. I think that work is, is really challenging for a lot of people and organizations. And so trauma-informed care and the vocabulary I feel really gives a good tool to, to doing that work in a much deeper way, less transactional way. I have my own consulting business and I'm in my third year. So it'll be three years in July. And it's been amazing process. I say the name of the business so yeah. people can find you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'll put the link in, but I just want you to say it. Sloosh Conducts Dum Dum Consulting, which means a great awakening of the heart and spirit in Chinookwawa, which is an indigenous trade language from the region that I live in, which is 35 miles northwest of Portland in Oregon. And, you know, this, this business is really came from over 20 years doing social work uh, with all different kinds of populations of folks um, and honing those skills and trauma-informed practices and helping people through crisis. Also, you know, having a bachelor's degree in art, um, where I studied a lot of Indigenous nation studies as well, which was a wonderful gift to be able to do that along with an art practice. And then I have a master's degree in adult learning and higher education. So taking my years of experience, my lived experience as someone with a lot of marginalized identities and my education, formal and informal education, to really create this uh, consulting business that is both training as well as consultation and coaching at times. Um, and then mm-hmm. I do some um, mediation, uh, justice-informed mediation. That's kind of a newer part of of the services I provide. And those all kind of work together. Typically, if I'm working with a, an organization for a longer term, they'll we'll start with training. And then they'll want to know, well, how do we integrate this? How do we implement? 
moment. And that's where a lot of the consulting and coaching and mediation comes in because then people are like, ah, they have conflict with each other. And so uh, there's conflict anyways, but they're more apt to like deal with it after taking in some training. So yeah, that's basically in a nutshell, the work that I do. I work mostly with government agencies, which was not my intention at the beginning of this. I thought I would work mostly with foundations and nonprofits, but the government workers and, you know, organizations have been really open to this, which has been great. And I, at the beginning of the pandemic in March, so I guess it was the end of March when we did our stay at home orders in Oregon, um, which should be similar, I think, uh, to Washington and California as well. My, all of my business just ended all of the trainings I had coming up, like 99% of it was gone. And I really kind of panicked. And then worked really hard on like new funding streams and what do you know what do I do and then after about a month uh people like clients kept coming back and we're like okay we're ready now and wow we're in a big mess like this is (laughs) and we like really need some help so uh one my biggest client is which is a a government agency they had to lay off half of their workforce within a week or two of of covid uh, because of the way they were funded with venues and things like that obviously can't you got to shut those down so there was a lot of turmoil. There still is a lot of stress, a lot of grief from that happening. And and then just the pandemic. I mean, all of it just kind of came in at one time. So for a couple of months, I did a lot of like mini one hour trauma-informed care trainings and really looking at the neurobiology of the brain and how the brain responds to a traumatic experience, like just as a way to validate people and and be like, it's normal that right now, if you're can't sleep or you're sleeping too much, or you can't focus or your stomach hurts, like all of these things are very normal at a time like this. Oh, Oh, good. I love that they got, yeah, you were able to Mm -hmm. share that in those settings. That's wonderful, wonderful information. (laughs) So, so that was the helpful information. And now with a lot of people, we've moved on to more training. I feel like people have the mental capacity to do training now, whereas at the very beginning, I think it was really just kind of crisis impacts. And, and then there, the, the part about racial justice has been interesting. And it's also been a little bit frustrating at times too. Um, I think a lot of, of white folks, especially have been like, had this awareness and like, Black, Indigenous, and people of color have kind of been like, welcome to the party, like, you know, and so there's been sort of like this, this newness. And then there's a lot of people who are like, yeah, but this has been going on for a long time. (laughs) So that's been interesting to navigate, but I've really appreciated people's awareness really moving. Um, and I knew that something was happening when some of the, the people in my family, the older folks in my family were just kind of like, what is happening? I remember my mom said to me this summer, if we weren't weren't inside all the time, I don't know that I would have like maybe paid as much attention to this. And so I was like, wow, if my parents are saying these things, this they're really it really is seeping into older generations and you know and things like that about what is really happening here and an awareness. So that was pretty interesting to see. Mm-hmm. But I think yeah, the COVID restrictions and the mm-hmm. so much time on the screen. It is yeah. true that there was a lot more avenue for learning and 
And just being um, aware, like you can't look away anyway. from it because there's where you can't distract yourself as much, right? Exactly. Um, and of course, there are like a lot of people who are don't believe COVID's real, and so they've just been living their lives. <laughs> so totally okay, sure. Still I mean, we literally have two different realities going on right now, which is really sad. And I don't know how we're gonna. I'm not sure how we're gonna deal with that. That's something that is, I think, a huge ginormous mess we have. Yes. It's just been like one, I think what's been really interesting and intense is that it's just been one crisis after another, like building on top of each other. And I also think of trauma survivors and I am one of those people where like your life kind of does feel like that sometimes where Mm -hmm. it's just crisis after crisis. You just can't, I think about people who are poor experiencing poverty where you just can't get ahead. Like you, th- you know, you think you got ahead, but then your car breaks down and now you are whatever little money you had saved up for, I don't know, paying for healthcare or something or buying a gift for your kids or something is gone. Right. So living on that edge all the time. And so that I feel like we're, we're living that kind of, but in a much larger scale. And for people who maybe have never experienced that level of crisis, that level of uncertainty consistently day after day, after day, after day with no end in sight. So yeah, the consistent yeah. stressors that yes. do cause so much systemic yeah. issues broadly, yeah. I think then yes, people are getting to see what the impact of of these kinds of stressors are for long-term for many people. Mm -hmm. So how how have you been taking care of yourself in the midst of that? Oh, yes. I feel like I'm pretty well equipped. I've definitely struggled like everyone else. Like I have gone through, uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, I got really depressed and really scared. And that impacted, like I've had stomach aches. I have not had stomach aches and nausea since I was a little kid. Like, Mm-hmm. very strange. Like it's a certain type of anxiety, right? That affects you yeah. in that way. Yeah. Um, and I've been experiencing that for a long, long time. And just being really scared. I've had one of the things that's been really wonderful is going out to the woods and connecting mm-hmm. with ancestors. I can do that in my house, but being out in the woods, is just a different level. And I've been able to go out. I have this particular place that I go in the forest uh, where we used to go hunting and gathering mushrooms when I was little. And so it has a really good feeling for me and just going out there and, and, you know, offering tobacco and crying, just literally talking to the trees and the forest Mm -hmm. and being like, we're the worst humans. We're like the worst. we need some help. <laughs> what, what is going on here? And I feel like my ancestors have been really responsive and really wonderful and supportive. And some of the, the words of wisdom they've given me is, you know, the things that are happening on a political level, like the those people, like their current president and things like that. Like, and this is just my opinion. This is what I'm hearing from my ancestors is, you know, they're people who want a certain reality to happen and are just kind of, like they're living in their own world. And then we're all kind of along the way because they're in a position of power. And so I'm like, I want off that ride. Like I want off that, that you know, roller coaster. And um, yes. so they've just been like, those people don't, they don't, they're shells of people. And, you know, just kind of try to give me a longer perspective, I think. And so that's been really helpful to go out to the woods. I definitely yeah. spending so much time in my house um, hired an organizer and nice. and 
dealt with clutter. I just couldn't stand it anymore. And I know I'm not the only one because one of the government agencies I work with, they deal with, they have transfer stations and garbage and stuff. And right at the beginning of the pandemic, they were like, our transfer stations like have just, the traffic has just jumped because I think people are, a lot of people are home all the time and they're like, okay, let's clean up all this stuff. Let's clean up the garage, like whatever. So, um, so it was really wonderful to sort of be able to hire someone to help me with that problem yeah. because I do have I'm undiagnosed, but I'm pretty sure it's either trauma or ADHD where I it's hard to focus. I get overwhelmed. All of that. It yeah, be, it's one of those things. Like, is it ADHD or is it trauma or is it both? We don't know. Um, yeah, I guess it doesn't matter at the end of the day because it is. What yeah. It is. So yeah, that's yeah, been and you ask for help. Yeah. yeah, that's been wonderful to have a order orderly house and have mm-hmm. place a place for everything. And what been really exciting and amazing to me is, you know, I don't talk about my eating disorder history very often. It's still something that is difficult for me. I it's in remission, but I still struggle with disordered eating, right? I still struggle with my relationship with food, feeling stressed out about food, eating food, choosing which food to eat, you know, eating around people, what am I, you know, buying food, it's all, and so I've avoided cooking at home for a long time because of that. And so through this process of, I guess, reclaiming my house, (laughs) as well as reclaiming my body, because the two are connected, I think, um, is working with someone to create my kitchen in a way that works better for me, that's organized in a better way, that's more functional, more accessible. So I've been cooking more at home, especially for dinners. And I found that in this time, because, you know, I can't go out and I'm not going to go out and eat at restaurants. Like, it's just too dangerous. And I'm a a person who's at risk for COVID complications and stuff. So I, I, can order food now. I don't have to actually go to the grocery store, which has been great because that's a triggering experience for me and a stressful experience. And I take my little edible at night, and, you know, mm-hmm. and I start cooking and it's just, I start to relax and mm-hmm. I just, you know, focus on usually a food that I didn't grow up with. So I don't have those connections, anxiety connections with certain kinds of foods. I'm supposed to like it slow. It stops a lot of the, you can't eat this food garbage that I really hate feeling and thinking. And so I've been starting with something simple like ramen and then just adding spices, adding different like rice vinegar or different soy sauces, different foods to it. And mukbangs have been really helpful, which are the Korean eating uh, videos. And that could, some people may not like those at all, but I (laughs) have this one that I watch this woman in Korea and she actually prepares her food. And so then I have, really been inspired by that and sought out different flavors and different foods and vegetables. And it's worked really well for me. Like it's mm-hmm. like this um, workaround to this eating disorder and this disordered eating stuff. So I've been really enjoying taking back my kitchen, taking back my relationship with food in such a positive way. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what else am I going to do during quarantine? So <laughs> Yeah, it's just been, I love it. been, there have definitely been things that have come out of this situation that have been good lessons or good practices, but it's also yeah. like everyone else, it is awful <laughs> as well. Totally. A couple of things that you're saying, just the like snippets that I think of is that you've asked for help, which I think is amazing. And that's so hard for so many of us to do. And 
So I think that's such an admirable thing and something that is good for our listeners to hear that. And then the the what you stumbled upon, I guess, in terms of trying foods that didn't trigger old food thoughts and judgments uh, is such, I think the, the world of food is vast. And I think there is healing to do in our old patterns with food, especially if they're connected to our culture and family and ethnicity. Like, yeah, there, there could be purpose and, and work to do to bring those back and also to have some space to work and enjoy other foods that maybe don't have so much baggage is really cool. So I'm going to have to check out some of that. The bomb bomb? No, uh, no. Monk bong. Monk bong. It's like M-U-K. I think it's M-U-K-B-A-N-G. They're, they're yeah. start, they started out in Korea um, and then yeah. people do them all over the world. I mean, they really film themselves eating, which can be an intense yes. experience. And that may not be something that some people want to deal with at all. It may be triggering or upsetting, but I like to focus on, because sometimes they're eating a lot of food at one time and that can be like, oh, uh, for people. But what I like about it. this particular uh, person is that, she, again, she pre- prepares her food and cooks it. And I just find her little, like, she has all these different pans that she uses. And then, and I find myself, she has like, they show the rack that has all of her pans. And then she has all these different kinds of ramen. And there's this gold pan or pots that she cooks in. I've only seen her do it yeah. once. And every video I'm like, is she going to use the gold pot? Is she going to use the gold pot? <laughs> and then I'm always like, darn it, no. And she's not. And so it's just kind of this fun, oh, silly thing. So great. And so I just, I don't know. It's, it's, I wasn't expecting to have that experience with that video. I thought it was going to upset me and not be something I wanted to see. Absolutely. Well, I know we're recording this a week before Thanksgiving week, which you reframed and said, what are you calling the week? Thanks taking. Thank you. Okay. I have been trying to figure out what is the right word to use. So, but I would love for you to see if there, would you have any thoughts that you would have for our listeners in terms of how to address this week? Because for those of us that aren't Native American or have indigenous roots, or most of us that have been educated poorly about the history of our country, we we want, you know, for those of us that want to raise our children differently or to engage in this week and honor the people that have come before us and they're still here from the tribes in our near area and across our country, what what do you what would you say? What would you want us to know, or what could we resource that we could tap into, or uh, what would what would you hope? What would what would give good vibes and good energy to this country and this land this week? Well, I think a couple of things. Like, there's always things that we can do, conversations that we can have. I mean, I we call it like a lot of people I know in my community call it Thanksgiving. Some people still call it Thanksgiving. Some people call it like a family dinner or a celebratory dinner. Like whatever you want to say, it doesn't really. I mean, it's a word, so you can reclaim the word, you can change the word, you can do whatever you want. I think the thing that becomes, the thing is, is that a lot of us have that time off. And so it's like, well, I have the time off and we do have family traditions. A lot of people have family traditions of getting together. And I think I wouldn't say like, stop doing that. Cause I think, especially at a time like this, we need, well, you shouldn't be having <laughs> dinner with people that aren't on your pod. Don't do that. I know it's terrible, but don't do it. I know it's hard, uh, but, but, you know, coming together as family and community is really important. So 
reframing it. There's a, a really good book. It's actually kind of geared towards, I think, like teachers, K through 12 is mm-hmm. grade school, but it's called Rethinking Columbus. And it, it has information in there about things taking as well as Columbus and other aspects of indigenous culture and cultural appropriation. And there's different people who've written articles in it. And I really like that book as a reference and as a way to rethink a lot of these holidays and how you can do things differently. So I think it can be anywhere from, okay, well, we're going to have dinner together, but like, let's talk about like some of the history or, you know, talking to children about there's multiple stories in the world, right? So we want to really think about, and you know, some people don't want to go over the difficultness. I mean, the the actual history of Thanksgiving is actually very tragic and violent. So that may not be appropriate for your dinner table, but you could do some work beforehand, right? About it and, and learning about it. And, and Rethinking Columbus has lots of resources in it as well. Lots of books and things that you can do to sort of talk about it. I think doing some research on your local tribes, you know, looking at the history um, and at the current things that tribes in your area are doing, or maybe they're struggling with, or things that they're celebrating or things that are important to them. We have in our tribal communities, a lot of celebrations that aren't Thanksgiving. Like we have canoe journey, we have ceremonies, we have for salmon ceremonies that are, you know, in the Pacific Northwest, like there's a lot of things that native people are celebrating that have nothing to do with Thanksgiving. So sometimes learning about those can be really helpful. Um, mm-hmm. And then I think supporting tribal people, like supporting jewelry makers, supporting authors, um, supporting people who uh, organizations is another way of sort of giving that is in addition to having some conversations that's more action based. And I know that the Uprise Collective here in uh, the Portland area, and I can give you their website, or you can just Google Uprise Collective. They're actually doing a series. Um, I was just talking last night in their, one of their storytelling series called Sela series. And so they had, last night was healing stories. So I was one of the storytellers. And then they had before that stories of resistance, stories of um, creation stories. And then next week on Thanksgiving, they're actually going to have a Zoom dinner for people to zoom in and eat together and they're going to have performers, people's poetry, singing, all of that stuff. So it's an alternative. And usually that series is in person. So usually they would have a dinner in person for the community as an alternative. So I think looking up their, how they're doing um, Mm -hmm. their series and supporting that work, but also is there anything happening in your community around rethinking Thanksgiving or doing something in a different way? That's awesome. The uh, mention of kind of researching the tribes in your area. I want to just note that if folks are interested in a resource on the bottom of Opal's uh, website, the homepage, there is a land acknowledgement and then a link to go to a map that then helps you find what tribes you live on or work on. Uh, and then you can then research that tribe and figure out what they're doing locally and such. So just try to that. Is that the native, the native.ca? Is that the one that has the interactive map? Yeah. So in that, that's a great website. It's a great resource. I, if you click on the particular area, and so for some people, there will be three or four or more tribes from that area. It's very well researched and documented. It's, there's multiple sources because it can be confusing about who is where at what time. And even within tribes, there's, can be disagreements over areas of land historically of like, no, we were here. No, we were here. It was shared area, like whatever. But um, 
if you click on the tribe, I believe it gives you resources and links. Oh, right away. Okay. That tribe and to whatever other information. So it's so if you look at that website, look around at the information as well and click on it and that will give you some resources to go to. Nice. Okay, so one of the thoughts that I had following up from your last episode was related to just what you were speaking to of creating Body Sovereignty Project. And I wondered if you wanted to circle back on that or give myself or listeners any update on that or if that's a project that is at rest. I think it's, for me, it's always happening. And what I said about the cooking in my house and reclaiming food, that is part of the Body Sovereignty Project. For me, that's part of that um, action-based work for reclaiming my body. And so just as an update, if, if someone didn't listen to the other podcast, my Body Sovereignty Project is three areas. So my relationship with food, being embodied through joyful movement, and then healing from sexual trauma. So those are the sort of three areas, I guess, that I focus on, although it is all interconnected like a big web, but it's just easier for me to have three categories to think about. It's easier for my brain. Is there anything with joyful movement that you would name or Um, learning or? Yes. So before COVID, I had a trainer I was working out with for a couple of years and really enjoyed that. And she's taught me a lot. Obviously we haven't been able to work out together. Mm. I've been lucky because Our local pool, I live in a small town, so our community pool, which has been around since the 1940s, closed temporarily during COVID, but then it opened up in, I think, like June. And so Hmm. it's been open until like this last Wednesday. So it's been open for months, Uh, very restricted, all of these protocols. And so I've been going, continuing to go swimming. Hmm. And I found during this time, because uh, they have a, a lap pool where you can do laps, and then they have a smaller pool that's like three to four feet deep. I found that in that pool, I can actually jog in the water mm-hmm. with that body. And so I do, I'm quoting jogging. I mean, it's just like really slow in the like about four feet of water. And it really gets my like glutes working and it feels really satisfying. It's a pretty good workout. And that has been very joyful and fun. It's really helped with my like, because I have a lot of muscle fatigue and stiffness. And so the water has been great for that. And that's been just a a wonderful joy. I was joking around that when I'm doing my water jogging that I actually look like David Hasselhoff from Baywatch, but with like less air. So (laughs) it's a very silly thing to say, but So just kind of (laughs) keeping things silly and fun. I do a lot of stretching. I found a way to do like ab crunches that feel really good and are where I'm supported in the water, but are really effective. So Mm. it's been fun. I'm one of those people that likes to experiment, obviously, like experimenting Mm -hmm. with food. And if I can find a way to be curious and experiment with things that are hard for me in life, I feel like it really helps. It puts my brain in a different perspective and maybe... COVID and all of this crisis has allowed me or has forced me maybe to rethink and reframe things in my life in a different way than I maybe would have. So yeah, I appreciate that. It's great. That's good. That's, that's a really wonderful update about some of those aspects of body sovereignty. One other thing that I'm doing that I'm very excited about, it's been a little bit of a harrowing experience um, is I'm adopting a dog. 
So a rescue dog. Oh, so many people are getting pets. (laughs) I wanted a dog for a while. And then part of my organizing my house and going through every item and getting rid of things and decluttering was to be able to have a dog and have a space that you know, the dog wouldn't get into anything or, or whatever. And, and also I live in a small cottage, so I just needed us to have more space, but I think I found my dog. She just gave birth to a litter of pups. So we're just waiting for her to uh, wean the pups and get spayed, but she's in Texas right now. Cause there's a lot of pet problem, like a lot of problems with cats and uh, stray cats and, and dogs in Texas, I guess. Oh. Yeah, it's been, okay. and they don't they only have kill shelters and stuff, so it's really ooh. so I think a lot of the dogs that we that come to rescue, a lot of them come from Texas or like Southern California yeah. where there's just really intense issues with that. So yeah, she's like a little lab border collie mix and she's I think pretty young, super sweet. I had a dream this summer that I had a black dog and we were playing fetch in the front yard and it was so fun and we were I was we were I was laughing. She was having a good <laughs> time and in my dream I was calling her Journey. And so this dog looks almost exactly like the dog in my dream. So the same. But it is not I mean, an easy experience of rescuing a dog because the rescues are inundated, overwhelmed, they're volunteers, so it takes a while. So, yeah, I've heard that. I've heard it's really, really hard. Mm-hmm. And that there in Seattle, there was like a flight from Hawaii that was like a whole plane full of animals. And then they were all gone, like all already taken. They're all the gone already? I don't know. I mean, that's what I was told because somebody want this one kiddo wanted a cat. And oh, I they were all excited that. and they could not get the cat yeah. because they were all taken. Yeah. You know, that doesn't surprise me at all that. And yeah, and it's I was talking to a friend the other night and we were like, why does Hawaii has such a different like it's it's like a t- it's like a small island. So, yeah, it's interesting. These different pockets that really struggle with with uh, stray animals. But but yeah, yeah. So I, I'm excited about that because I will, you know, and I want a dog that's like an emotional support dog. But I also want some support getting out and going on more walks, especially some mm-hmm. people who knows how long the pool is going to be closed. So um, I think that's going to be really nice. So that's my other joyful movement part two as well. Yes. Yes. And it has a relational connection too, which is fun to a little pup. Well, it's been great to get caught up and I'm here learning and what you're up to and giving us some thoughts for this week as we go into Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving week. Mm -hmm. So yeah, thank you. Is there anything else that you would want to Um, I would uh, just say to folks as we move through, uh, I think we might be seeing a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel with with this pandemic, maybe, maybe. Um, I think we probably got a lot more hurdles to to overcome and probably some surprises that we may not enjoy (laughs) coming up. Um, But I would just say it's try to validate and have grace with yourself and others around mental health struggles, especially as we go into the holidays and we go in, which can be hard for a lot of people and the winter time and try to not fight, you know, things like needing to be patient about things and not knowing what's going to happen sometimes and, and work on that kind of perseverance. And we're going to get through what's going on. We'll get to the other side of this pandemic, but, you know, I think that this situation has, illuminated for us a lot of issues we have in our our communities and our society that have always been there. And so, you know, especially with racial justice, even if you're someone that it doesn't really impact you, like still stay aware, still stay awake, still work 
towards helping um, BIPOC folks find a solution. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Having your voice on so many of these things is really important. I think I value your story, right? You're a, you have different, I, you and I have different identities in this world. And so for me, it's, I've just appreciated that from the day we've met that I learned from you and I have my eyes open to different things because we have different experiences in this world and I've had different journeys. So yes, I do. I hope that we can, I think that we as people would be all healthier if we could have openness to the other. So, you know, we learn from each other. Yeah. 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 Okay. Thanks, Shaila, for being with us. Yeah. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. It was such a pleasure for me to chat with Shiloh, and I hope that you all uh, got some great nuggets of, of her wisdom and just got bits of understanding from her lived story and uh, what it is that uh, we can learn from being able to be in relationship with uh, people that have different journeys than we do. Thank you to David Bowsey for editing, Camille Dodson for all of the administrative support behind the scenes, and for Aaron Davidson for his original music. Hope you join us next time.